Greetings in the precious name of Jesus. So good to see your smiling faces. And I don't want to become a broken record. I think I probably say it every time I come back to Myerstown to preach. But in some ways, it just feels like we never went to Waterworks. It feels so at home. But yet, at the same time, uh, I see quite a few new faces. So God bless you and greetings in the name of Jesus from Waterworks Mennonite Fellowship. I'm also inspired to see the attendance here at Myerstown. Wow. It's certainly a blessing to see uh, the church well-filled, and I just trust that this is the way it looks like when we come together to pray, right? And revival meetings and, and so forth. God bless you richly. I would like to do something very different this morning. I'm not sure I've ever done this to start a message, but I'm going to ask all the children to come front, and I'm going to read you a story. So all the children come front, and I have a story to read. It's kind of an introduction to the message, so parents, don't tune out to this great little golden book. It's going to be a short story, so yeah, come front, take a seat. Perfect. Okay. Did you ever hear of the little red hen? Some of you did? Okay. Yep, find a seat. I'm going to tell you this story. There's a couple versions of it, but, well, here's the little red hen, and one day the red hen found a grain of wheat. A grain of wheat, the little red hen said, I'm going to plant it. So she, this hen thought, I'm going to get help. So the red hen goes to the duck. Will you help me plant this grain of wheat? Not I, said the duck. So she asked the goose, will you help me plant this grain of wheat? Not I, said the Okay. So she finds the cat. Look at that cat. You know what cats do? So, cat, will you help me plant the grain of wheat? Not I, said the cat. So she asked the pig. Now, I don't think I would ask a pig, but she went and asked the pig. Do you think the pig helped before I tell you? Pig, will you help me plant the grain of wheat? Not I, said the pig. Well, then I will plant it myself, said the little red hen. And she did. So the wheat grew tall. See that wheat? It grew nice and tall, and, and then it was time to reap, and the little red hen wondered, who will help me reap the wheat? Oh, let's go ask the duck and the pig. Duck, not I. Goose, not I. Cat, not I. Pig, not I. Well, then I'll reap, then I'll reap it myself, said the little red hen, and she did. So she reaped the wheat. And now it's ready to be taken to the mill and made into flour. So who will help me carry the wheat to the mill? She wondered. Oh, let's go ask the duck. Not I, said the duck. Not I, said the goose. Not I, said the cat. Not I, said the pig. Well, then, I'll bet you can say it with me. Then I will do it myself. 
And she did. Well, she got home. She got the, the, the flour home, and she's wondering, who's going to help me make the flour into dough? <laughs> so she asked the, the duck, the goose, the cat, the pig, and all of them said, not I. Well, then I will make the dough myself. And she did. So now the bread was ready to eat. It was in the oven. and No, I'm sorry. The bread was ready to go in the oven. And again, the little red hen wondered, who is going to help me make, break, bake the bread? And, not I, said the duck. Not I, said the goose. Not I, said the pig. Not I, said the cat. Well, then I will bake it myself. And she did. She baked the bread all by herself. So now she got the loaf out of the oven and set it on the windowsill to cool. And now said the little red hen, who will help me eat the bread? I will, said the duck. I will, said the goose. I will, said the cat. <laughs> Look at the pig coming into the kitchen. The pig said, I'll help you eat the bread. And the little red hen said, no. I will eat it myself. And she did. Now what can I tell, what can we, what do you think we can learn from that story? Anybody want to guess? Okay, to help. All I'm going to say, for the sake of the message, don't be like the pig. <laughs> or the cat, or the goose, or the duck. Okay? You may go back to your parents. Now I'd love to ask the parents. <laughs> well, I was tempted to ask the children. I don't want to spend too much time on the children. Actually, I was kind of in a dilemma. <clears throat> I wanted to talk about this as an introduction, but I didn't know how. So I thought, well, maybe just reading it to the children would be a good way to, to get it in everybody's mind as, a, as an int introduction. <clears throat> so I don't know. Are, are, are you as an adult, am I as an adult, like the pig or the duck or the goose or the cat or the red hen? So we're going to do a vote and see who all, where we all come out, okay? No, we won't. But I'd be curious. I'd really be curious. I didn't, I should have told the children, I should have added a verse that said, if you don't work, you don't eat. That is, that is biblical. But I read, <laughs> I don't want to say I studied this book for the preparation of the message, <laughs> but I was thinking through the core value and philosophy and the message in the book. And I want to come back to it. Because it's a classic. It's one that <clears throat> many of us read to our children. And... We'll be back to the little red hen. I'd like you to turn to the Bible. 
Turn to Genesis 22. Genesis 22, a beautiful story that I have used numerous times in sharing. And I was recently reading this, and maybe a, a, I don't want to say a new truth, but just a, a new focal point in the story, if you will. Genesis 22. So we're going to uh, just give you just a little bit of a background. Beautiful story of Abraham. It is in the context where he, he had chapter 20, which isn't really pretty. It shows us that Abraham had some carnality to deal with. He lied. He lied to a king and tried to save face. And it's kind of ironic that a king calls the man of God to the carpet for lying. But that's kind of uh, what happened in Genesis chapter 20. God did shut the womb uh, of, uh, of uh, those under Abimelech's rule. And at the end of the story, Abraham prays. They kind of make things right, and Abraham prays, and God opens the womb. But remember, they were still childless. Okay? Genesis 21 opens up, and the Lord, after many, many years of waiting on the promise, gave the promise to Sarah and Abraham. And Sarah conceived at a very old age and had a son. And now, after many years of promise, Abraham and Sarah were holding their son, their son Isaac. What a day that must have been. I can almost hear Abraham just lifting his own son uh, and Sarah's own son and just blessing him and telling him, you're the son of promise and I waited a long time for you. And little Ishmael peeks around the corner. What's this all about? You know the story of little Ishmael. And... Uh, fast forward a couple verses, you have Ishmael picking on little Isaac, mocking, in fact, King James says, mocking him. No little child likes to be mocked, and no parent wants their child to be mocked. So mom stood up and says, not happening in my house. Mother and son, you remember it was her idea. Get out! Cast her out along with the sun. Go on, be gone. And they did. It's more to the story than that, but I'll admit to you that there is a is a, a bit of there's questions that arise in my mind, but uh, there, there's like most of Scripture is there's deep rooted truth that most of us won't unlock in our entire lifetime. But what happened there in Genesis 21 was an amazing, profound truth that the two cannot coexist. In fact, Paul uses that in, in writing to the Galatians. Paul says the, the, the bondwoman needed to be cast out because they cannot coexist. Uh, either you're in bondage and it's flesh 
Or either you're free in Christ and you have faith in Christ and that's a spiritual life. Well, that's a whole other story. But we come to the end. Well, then there's, the, uh, then there's some agreements with uh, Abimelech. And we come to the end of chapter 21. And I like to, when I come to reading these, pa- these verses, here's my caption. My caption is, life is good. <laughs> life is a comfort zone, maybe. He planted groves, uh, made some uh, treaties, and, and it's, just, it's just great. And, you know, I'll be honest, I like those chapters of life, and you, I'm guessing you do too, where you plant a garden and plant the groves and peace around, and life is good, son of promise. Genesis 22, and it came to pass, follow along with me, After these things, God did tempt, and I will say right now, a better better word would be test, because God does does not tempt anyone. Just a translation glitch. God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, Thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass and two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son clave the wood and the burnt offering. Did you catch that? Isaac his son and clave the wood. For the burnt offering, and he rose up and went to the place where God told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham said to his young man, Abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and what? Worship. And come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son, laid the fire in his hand and a knife. And they both And both of them, I'm sorry, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of God came to him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for I know, sorry, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold him, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abram went and took the ram, and offered up, offered the ram for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. 
And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. As it has said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Father, I would that everyone in this room would know you this morning as Jehovah-Jireh, for it's who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I will be honest with you. I read this story, and it jerks my heart right out of my body. I, I, in some ways, I don't know what to do with it. It's a heart-wrenching story. And I think one of the key words is the Hebrew word nasa, something like that. It appears 40 times in the, in, in, uh, in the Bible, and the best translation is test. God tests. God doesn't tempt. James makes that clear. God doesn't tempt, God doesn't tempt any man, but te- test, he does. And Abraham, in the middle of a nice, comfortable life, it seemed that all was good, came the ultimate test that probably superseded the test of one day, one day when Abraham was just minding his own business. God showed up and said, Abraham, you're leaving. You're going to go to a country that I show you, that I'll show you of. Where? Just come. Honey, we're leaving. Where are we going? Don't know. Just come. He went out not knowing, Hebrews says. That was a test. He passed the test. His life is all, it's just a chapter of test after test after test after test. He failed some. He passed many. And now comes, I would say in his, in his maturity, now comes the ultimate test. The, I guess one remarkable, outstanding point is his instant obedience. And Leon, I was just so inspired. I, I really like that approach. One word. And everybody's, what word is it? And obedience. And that could be the title of the message, really. The test came. He got up early in the morning. I think I, you know, maybe, would, would several of us said, I need, I need some time to process this one. I need some time to pray about it and process it and think about it. And up early in the morning, a life of obedience. The three-day journey is... Uh, Remarkable. There's so many types we could talk about, but I already tried to emphasize the word worship. Here, do you know that this is the first mentioned? If you're into the law of first mentioned, the law of first mentioned. If you're studying one word, uh, there's just something intriguing about going to the, the the first time it's mentioned in the Bible. This is what this is where it is. First mentioned in the Bible. So if you were to write an essay on what worship looks like, maybe some of our contemporary worship. Uh, would not maybe fit the bill. Here's worship, worship in action, worship. They went, where, where are we going? We're going to worship. What? Yes, we're going to worship. Worship is recognizing a, a God and just in full submission and, and, and humility and yeah, like uh, expressing our praise and worship to him, the sacrifice of praise to him, uh, 
is definitely part of, of worship when we express that in song, but this is worship. And this is also amazing. He stopped and he told his, uh, his servants that you hang out here and we're going to go worship, but we'll be back. Did you catch that? We will be back. You're talking about a man that's maturing a bit. You're talking about a man that has a faith in a God who says, just in a few verses when, the, when his son says, hey, Dad, we, we got it all, but we forgot the sacrifice. We forgot the land. Where's, what's up with this? See, he knew his his. He watched his dad build an altar over and over and over again. And he, there's one thing missing. We're off on a three-day journey, but we don't got the sacrifice. God will provide. Abraham knew the God that will provide from a life of obedience. And so we've got them uh, moving along that I will be honest with you, that just tears, that, that tears at me when, when the son says, we don't have, where's the sacrifice? Put yourself in dad's shoes. How in the world are you going to answer? You know in your heart that he's the sacrifice. How? How? Those of us that have, a, have sons, I don't, I, I've never done it, but I've never taken a, physically and taken my son and just tried to play it out. Well, they get up to the mountain, and you know, you know how some things are in life. You're, you're, you know it's coming. You know it's coming. Maybe it's something big. You never make causes you fear and trembling, and 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 here it is. It's like some of us. Okay, now we'll turn the time over. To, oh, now it's time. You know what I mean? It's like no way. Well, here's here it was. The time, the time has come. We're at the altars built. And I don't know what it looked like, but I wonder if it was something like this. Son, you want to sit down here on the altar? No, I'm guessing maybe dad laid on the altar first. And, and uh, he's so, he was so used to laying on the altar. I'm, I'm drawing some par- uh, figurative. Son knew that dad was a, sacrifice, a life of sacrifice. And he probably laid on the altar and made sure there was no stones that were a little uh, jagged or rough. Or, and he probably even warmed them up a little bit. And then he sat down and he said, son, I want to talk. He said, you're not going to believe this, but God, the one that I have followed, ever since I left the land of Ur, the Chaldees, has asked me something that I simply don't understand. Yeah, what? He asked me to take you and lay you on the altar. Now, it would seem logical that teenage son jumps up and outruns dad, right? But there was such mutual respect. Son had a confidence in the father, and he knew that father walked with God, and he didn't, this is not a whim. This is, respect was earned. And here's what I believe it looked like. I believe that dad said, son, I don't get it, but I'm going to do it because I learned that if I don't obey God, things don't go well. It's not good. So I'm going to do it. And son, I think here's, here's what I think is going to happen. 
I think, I think God is going to do a miracle because God told me that from you, all, there's going to become a nation that the stars, you can't, it's kind of like this counting the stars, and yea, the sand and the seashore. And God don't, when God speaks, he's, he, he's not lying. So, son, he, he's going to raise you up again. He has to. He has to. Because if he's going to keep his word. In fact, if you don't believe that, read Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 says, he believed that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead. So I think that was in the conversation. And the son just said, I... And the, now put yourself in the son's shoes. He's trying to take it all in. And then finally, he takes him. And he lays him on the altar. This is even hard to say, right? He lays him on the altar, and it literally says he took the knife. And he probably raised it. And then you know what happened. Abraham, Abraham! Stop! Now I know. Now I know. Nothing is going to get between me and you. And then, do you remember what Abraham's answer was to Isaac on the journey up? And Isaac said, where is the sacrifice? And the answer was, the answer was simple, but right there. God will provide. God will provide. So, and ironically, right? Ironically, uh, he looks around and there's a ram caught in the bushes. And God will provide. He takes the, he takes the ram and he sacrifices the ram. And then... It was, I think he was so overcome with what had just transpired. But remember, he knew this God. He walked with this God. He knew him. And then he said, we're going to name this place right here. And this name is going to be Jehovah Jireh. And I don't know about you, but I want that to become a little more frequent in my vocabulary. If not my vocabulary, my thought process. Jehovah Jireh, is that the God that I know? Is that the God that you know? Is it the God that I walk with? Is, it the, is he the God you walk with? Or is, he, is it a story? Is it theology? Is it, or is it where we live? There are so many types in that story that we probably should mention, Isaac being the type of Christ in so many ways, being willing to be offered and complete trust in his father. But Abraham is an amazing type. That's a rare type of the heavenly father, being willing to offer his own son. But uh, what I really, want us to leave, I want, I really want to leave with us today is the Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. That's what I want to challenge myself, I want to challenge you with, and I want to encourage us this morning. Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. That's more than just a cliche. This is a truth. 
It is an absolute truth. And I wonder how many of us, how, how often do I live in the reality of Jehovah Jireh? Now, why on earth did I come across this book? I'm going to suggest, and you, this is, you are welcome to argue, disagree, or bring another opinion. I am going to suggest that you and, you and I find ourselves living in perhaps the most self-sufficient country in the entire world. And I'm going to suggest that just like the little red hen, it is so easy to adopt a mentality, a lifestyle, and yea, even a theology that says, I worked hard and I, I do it myself, and now I'll eat my loaf of bread. And I'm afraid, and I'm not... I'm speaking to myself more than anybody this morning. I'm afraid that leaked into my theology. And I'm afraid that it can easily leak into our theology. Why is it that you meet person after person, and I'm not zeroing this on in, in on any specific church group or denomination. I'm talking United States of America in where we are sojourners, Okay. That's kind of the culture that we are bombarded with. Why is it that we face so many people that feel like they, they have to do it themselves? And it's hard for many a person to receive the gift of salvation. It's a gift. You can't earn it. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Why is it? Did that leak into your theology? Did that leak into my theology? That's what, as I studied this scripture and read this book, I was just trying to, I'm trying to, uh, I don't know, reconcile or, or come to grips with what Jehovah Jireh really means. What does Jehovah Jireh mean to you today? God will provide the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice. The ram, the, there on, on uh, the Mount of Moriah, we see substitutionary sacrifice. We see a, a sacrifice substituted. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for you and Jesus Christ did for me. He died in my place as a gift. And I'm wondering today if I have, if I live there in that reality. Jehovah Jireh, God hath provided. That, that uh, Jehovah Jireh merits the entire message, just unpacking the meaning of it. It's so much more than God provides. It means God sees, God knows, God is with it. The word providence is closely related to it. Uh, it's kind of like this, God's hands in human events. That's Jehovah Jireh. God is involved. God sees. God knows. I think of the book. Maybe some of you read it. God knows my size. God involved with people's lives. God provides. Is that, is, is that the God that I know? Is that the God that you know? Is that the God that I walk with? So 
I just, I'm afraid that the little red hen has, has, remember, uh, one thing I was very careful not to say to the children is, be like the little red hen. No, don't be like the little, little red hen. I know this is a little confusing. It's kind of like the story of Mary and Martha, right? Who's, who's right, Mary and Martha? But there's, there's something about self-sufficiency versus provident, trusting in God's providence. That's, that's where we're locking in this morning. In fact, I, I, don't, I said don't be like the pig and don't be like the goose and don't be like the duck and don't be like the cat. Has that leaked into our theology? Do we... Uh, does our culture have any pigs and cats and ducks and geese? <laughs> I, I want to eat the bread, but I don't want to work. Well, that's another subject. The subject this morning that I am wrestling with, that I am trying to reconcile, is do I live, do you live in a God will provide? We need... Jehovah Jireh, believe in him. Trust me, to, to, to know this God and to walk with this God, it, it, it requires a, and Abraham had to learn it. It requires a, an obedient mindset. And I really believe that maturity plays into this big time into Abraham's life. I, I, that's why this Genesis 22 isn't back in Genesis 13. Genesis 12 is the beginning of Abraham's life, or uh, where Abraham comes on the scene. G, uh, Genesis 25, 26 kind of switches gears to Isaac. I think that's why the ultimate test came at 25, in chapter 25. I think there's, I think there's something to do with maturity and How, how to apply this practically? Okay, I'm kind of throwing this. We, do we believe in this God? Do we know this God? Do we walk with this God? That's where I want the, the, the tension or the, the wrestling to be. Do you honestly walk with him? Do you honestly know him? Do you honestly, if you honestly know him, if you honestly walk with him, here's, here's the deal. You're, you're up. This is figurative speaking, not picking on the, the, the night, owl, night owls. You're up early in the morning. When, when, what I mean is when God says something, we, we're in action. And I really wonder if that's how we read, I wonder if that's how we read the Bible. Are we in action Christians? I'm, we'll never know. Listen, listen. I will never know Jehovah Jireh until I'm in action. I'll just know about him. I can maybe even read the stories. These inaction Christians, they're walking up Mount Moriah test after test after test. And what they don't know is on the other side of the mountain, probably in sync with their steps, is the ram sovereignly led by God, by Jehovah Jireh. On this side of the mountain, we have father and son. Son says, Dad, where's the offering? The Lord will provide. That's maturity. On the other side of the mountain comes the ram, very likely in sync, step by step by step. 
that's how God provides. Jehovah Jireh, physical and spiritual. Now, Ray's not here this morning, so I can't ask him, but maybe you can tell me, test you. Um, I know he's been going through the minor prophets. Uh, Did he get through Haggai yet? (laughs) This is a real test, right? (laughs) Ray would love to watch this. That's not important. I mean, that's not the point. If he didn't get to Haggai yet, that is an incredible story. Haggai, the people obviously didn't know Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, but they came back from uh, the Babylonian exile and they came back in and God said some amazing thing to his people through the prophet Haggai. And he says, Give careful thought to your ways. You plant much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages, but you put them in purses that have holes in them. You expect much, but you see it turns out to be very little. That's what the message that Haggai is sending to his his people. And then you bring stuff home, and then it's kind of like, it just blows right out of your hand. That's pretty graphic. You can find that in, 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 in in the book of Haggai. And then God says exactly why. He says, because my house remains in ruin and you're just busy in your houses. In other words, it's all about personal ambition. It's all about baking and making your own bread. And my house, the church, now we translate it into New Testament, the kingdom work, the church, is neglected. See, they didn't know Jehovah Jireh. In Malachi, another minor prophet, the last one, chronologically, he says this. He says, will a man rob God? But let me ask you, how do we rob God? I'm paraphrasing. It's not in the King James Version. He says, in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. The whole nation's under a curse. You're... You're you're robbing me, God says. And then this is is so amazing to me. Now, normally, it's very unwise to put God to a test. But actually, in Malachi, God, speaking through Malachi, says to his people, test me. That's how I read it. Put me to the test. Now, normally, that's not wise to put God to the test. But in this case, God says, test me. And God says, you start bringing into me what, what I deserve, what I want, what I... Now, it's kind of hard to go back and grab those Old Testament scriptures, translate them right into the New Kingdom, uh, the New Testament kingdom life setting, but I hope you can do the spiritual analogies. Some people... Uh, can really harp on tithes and offering, and if you don't do 10%, I know a man personally that uh, his leader, this is very, very far from, very far away from here, very far, guaranteed nobody knows this situation, gotta be careful. A leader said, oh, I found out about your savings account, and you aren't tithing on that. Really? 
I, I don't, I don't, I know that I've never heard of any kind of leadership just watching tides that close, but I really wonder what it would look if we would just as a standard. And, and, and finances is such a small part of the picture, such a small. I wonder what it would look like if we would just live a lifestyle of, of just giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. In fact, it's time to close. And I'd like you to open your songbook to 465. 465. This is a familiar hymn, and in some ways I should have just said, all we're going to do this morning for a message is sing 465, and it would have been enough, right? We could have all been home eating lunch. I don't know the story behind the man that wrote the song, but I know one thing. I think he read Genesis 22, and I think he knows a little bit about Jehovah Jireh. And I think he knows a little bit about the conditions to know Jehovah Jireh. He says, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. And I ask myself, is glory about my way? When we do his goodwill, he abides, he's right there with us still. And with all who will trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies but his smile quickly drives it away. I, I, I kind of argue with that verse a little bit, but I think I know where the author is saying. It's not that they won't come, but his smile will, Jehovah Jireh, will drive those doubts and shadows away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sign or a tear, can abide. They can't live there. They can't stay there while we trust and obey. Here's the verse I want. But we never can prove the delights of his love. And if I would say it my way, I would say, we'll never know Jehovah Jireh until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for them who will trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet we'll sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we'll do, where he sends we'll go. I heard people say, I could never live there, never. What if God says, we're going, you're going there? That's what Abraham, Abraham, you're going where? I don't know, just where he sends will go. See, we'll never know Jehovah Jireh. We won't know him until we're there, until we model Genesis 22. I don't think any one of you will be asked to take your son to Mount Moriah like this test, but you're going to be tested. Faith is not faith without a test. So God bless you as you lay on the altar. I want everyone to know the, I want everyone to know Jehovah Jireh, to believe in him. He's a fact. You can't, you can't that's a fact you won't change. I just want to, I want myself to, I want to, I want to know him. I want to believe in him. I want to live a life of action. Until all on the altar we lay. That's the question for you to wrestle with this morning. Are you there? Until we lay on the altar, 
until we lay all on the altar. Until then, we'll be just like the little red hen. And I'd rather be laying on the altar than living a life. I did it myself. And look at you pig and goose and cat and you won't lift a little finger to help. Are you, am I, living on the altar? I think an appropriate way to fin- close the service is maybe sing for- 465. So let's all stand together. I'll lead in prayer and we'll sing it. Let's just do, let's just do, I definitely want verse Let's sing verse 1 and verse 3. Verse 1 and verse 3 of 465. And when you get to verse 3, let the volume exceed at least 10% of what you did on verse 1. Let's pray first. Father, we come in Jesus' name. Thank you so much that we can just fully trust you. You are Jehovah Jireh, but there's an altar and there's tests. And here we are. God, give us grace to pass the test so we can be a blessing like Abraham and Isaac to all the generations of the, of the earth shall be blessed. That's our heart. That's our desire to be a blessing. So help us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 1, verse 3, and consider yourself dismissed. <laughs>